Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome to another episode of the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. This is Melissa Freidenberg in the Gross Point office. And this week, I am here with Hannah Neer, who is the newest member to the Pearl Planning team. Hannah, welcome. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm happy to be here. We're so excited to have Hannah on our team. Not only is she a CFP, but she is also a CPA and has a degree in accounting as well as a master's in accounting and six years experience in financial planning. We'll be hearing from her on our podcast more in the future. But today, I really wanted to record with her to talk about the recent tax change proposal uh, that many have been hearing about in the news. It is not yet law. Originally proposed changes by the Biden administration in the American Families Plan uh, just were released as far as the proposal from the House Ways and Means Committee last week, uh, actually on September 13th. So just want to give a disclaimer there that we're going to be talking about what this proposal looks like, how it may affect you, but do stay tuned to see what actually in this proposal is signed into law. And we are expecting that to happen in the next few weeks. So Hannah, anything you want to add on that as far as what we'll be talking about today? And Yeah, yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, Of course, anything in this proposal could be tweaked or updated or removed completely. But it is just nice from especially a tax planning perspective for the remainder of this year to kind of know what's coming down potentially the pipeline um, so that you can make the most informed decisions for the rest of 2021 in terms of what might be coming for 2022 tax. So um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was thinking, you know, as I'm saying that, why are people going to listen to a podcast about something that's not signed into law yet? The idea is to plan now for certain things that um, are likely to pass into law. Absolutely. And I'll kind of mention as we're walking through um, some of these proposed changes, some of the strategies that some folks are implementing in 2021 in case these strategies do um, proceed and move forward into law. Um, so that will definitely help with some of the, the remaining year tax planning strategy. Well, that is fabulous. I'm so glad that we're recording this because I think it'll be super helpful and also just showing how you know tax planning and financial planning work together because these things are so intertwined. You know, at Pearl Planning, doing financial planning. We are not accountants and um, certainly do not replace tax advice from your CPA. Using Hannah's knowledge and how she has used these tax laws in financial planning should really be beneficial to our listeners. So let's hit it off with the biggest one, tax rate increases. So what does that look like for people? Yeah, so I think it makes it a little bit more interesting to kind of start with what some of these tax increases are being used for, um, why we're trying to generate more tax revenue. The thought process here is that 
the House Democrats are hoping to use some of the revenue raised from increased taxes to spend on more social infrastructure build out. So a few ways that that might come into play would be like water systems, education, family programs, um, transportation services. And then also another big one would be climate policy. Um, So that's just from a high level, that's kind of what the idea of raising taxes would be used for. Yeah, and then, so not yeah. just to punish people. Let's. <laughs> I think that's what Hannah's <laughs> saying is this is to pay for things that are going to be good uh, in theory for our country. Uh, obviously, you've heard a lot of different proposals and bills that have come through, but it, it costs money. So where is the government going to get this money? They're going to get it through these tax changes that are proposed. Exactly. Yeah. So we jump right into the actual tax increases or the proposed tax increases, I should say. So, of course, the individual proposal in terms of tax increases are what most people feel will impact them the most. So the proposed increase really mostly impacts the top tax bracket. And that would be increasing the tax percentage in this bracket from 37 to 39.6%. Um, So primarily, this is only going to impact you if you are filing as an individual with income over $400,000 or married filing jointly with income over $450,000. And also almost this is like a rollback, right? Because the rate um, was originally reduced in 2017 by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This is not necessarily a new rate. This is a rate that was in place and then rolled back. Is that correct? And there's actually a lot of sections of this tax proposal that fall into that bucket. Um, So we'll talk a little bit later about some estate tax changes. And a a lot of those are rollback um, policies as well. So, yes, that's a great point. And there's also another tax added that really isn't in the bracket, but it is a surtax. Yep. So this tax will impact fewer folks, but it would impact you if your adjusted gross income or AGI is higher than $5 million. So that actually brings their tax rate up to 42.6% then after that. Yeah. Yep. The additional, it's an additional 3% surtax. So that would be an extra layer to consider if you do um, bump over that threshold. This might be a little bit of a side note, but this is a question that I had while reading some of the proposal stuff. So why not just make a higher tax bracket for those making over $5 million? Why? What, what's different with a surtax? The reason that that's kind of tacked on instead of making an additional bracket, at, at the end of the day, it impacts less people to have it as a surtax than it would to implement an additional bracket. Um, so it's a little bit simplified and it will, in theory, impact fewer folks kind of just trying to to target those highest earners rather than impacting folks who might be in more of like the middle upper class. So that, from my understanding, is kind of the theory behind it. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. That was just a question that I had. So I don't know, maybe your listeners are wondering as well. And then, so with those tax increases, obviously something to think about for those higher earners, in addition to the tax rate increase, there's also in the proposal a capital gains rate increase, but not quite as much as the original Biden proposal. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, so the, the House proposal is less um, stringent of a tax increase or proposed tax increase for um, capital gains than Biden's um, White House had originally proposed. Um, so essentially, um, for the top tax rate, 
dividends and long-term capital gains, the bracket would rise from 20% to 25%. So again, this is mostly going to impact those folks, um, individuals earning more than 400,000 and married filing jointly earning more than 450,000. Um, okay. And those thresholds you're going to see are very pattern-like throughout the whole proposal. Those are those are kind of the thresholds that they're focused. And now I've gotten this question from clients in the last few weeks who are hearing about these capital gains um, increases and asking if they should sell things now at the lower rate if they know they're going to be using this. But I did notice this is going to be, if it is signed in, whatever that rate is decided, it, it would probably be retroactive to that announcement on September 13th. Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, for the actual income tax increase, folks kind of have throughout the end of 2021 to maybe accelerate some income back into this tax year um, if possible for them. And of course, consult with your, your CPA to determine if that makes sense for you. But um, for capital gains, you're exactly right. This is impact, or this would, if signed, would go into effect as of September 13th of 2021. So if you do have a, an asset that has a large unrealized capital gain, you're not able to sell it before the end of the year to avoid the higher rate. So we're not going to um, see like a big sell-off of people that are trying to like offset that increase. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there are some exceptions. If you were in certain binding contracts before that date, um, you wouldn't. it wouldn't apply to you. But yeah, for the most part, you're not able to kind of... Um, squeeze that in before, before the end of 2021. Okay. That's good to know. So, you know, as Hannah mentioned, we're really looking at things that you can do to prepare for these, but that's not something that you can go back and sort of prepare for now um, before the law is signed in. So. Exactly. Do you want to touch on, I know you mentioned it briefly, but the estate tax changes, which were also a rollback. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Back in 2017, Congress basically doubled the amount that could be exempted from estate tax. Um, so basically, prior to that, um, if you had over $5.49 million as a in your estate, you would be taxed on the amount over that. Um, that amount was actually doubled to $11.8 million. So this proposal is basically reversing that back. Um, to where we were um, prior to 2017. Okay, so um, again, this is something that really affects those that are in the top <laughs> top earners, yeah. top asset holders, top tax bracket. Um, really, uh, probably not going to change things for most of our listeners, but it's a good thing to be aware of, especially if you're in the accumulation phase, and this may affect you at some point. Absolutely. And if you do happen to be in that um, top tier, um, from a tax planning perspective, some folks are taking advantage of the remainder of this year to kind of gift up to the um, current exemption amount, um, just to kind of make the most of those. This, this year, if, it's, um, if you're feeling like your estate might fall into um, above those thresholds. So. Okay. So you're talking about like the... Um like gifting assets out to get them out of the estate. Yeah. If you're in that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It could be a good Christmas for some people then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could. Absolutely. Are there any changes in this proposal that maybe affect those under that 400,000 or 450,000? 
Um, I would say the average person is not really going to be impacted by any of the proposed estate tax changes. However, um, there are some IRA changes that may impact people, even if they fall below those thresholds. So yes, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about is some of those areas um, in the proposal that have to do with IRAs and limitations there. So if you want to touch on that and how that may affect people under that 400000 or 450000 that'd be great. It's, it's certainly, there's portions of this proposal that are going to impact, impact folks underneath that um, threshold as well as over. So it, this is definitely one of the items in the proposal that I think people were more surprised by. So essentially, if you are someone who in the past has done what's called a Roth conversion or a backdoor Roth, this proposal is potentially going to eliminate that possibility for you moving forward. So a Roth conversion, some folks um, take this strategy or, or work with this strategy by taking money that's in either a 401k or a traditional IRA and moving it over to their Roth IRA. So depending on the tax status of that money that was in the um, traditional IRA or the 401k, you would potentially take a tax hit in the year that you do that Roth conversion or backdoor Roth. I read that. If, so they're basically going to prohibit Roth conversions of after-tax funds in retirement accounts altogether, but then yeah. prohibiting all Roth conversions for, top in, for that top income bracket. Roth conversions may not be an option for folks who have done them in the past. So I did read, though, that, again, this is not signed into law, that there would potentially be a 10-year window to phase this out. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if you were planning on a Roth conversion that you need to do it before December 31st, you could have, of, of 2021, you could have some time to still do that, but it would ultimately be phased out. And I think this goes back to your initial point of what this whole proposal is about is the government wants tax money, right? So if they yeah. are saying, okay, we're going to phase this out, meaning like if that is something that you had planned to do or is enticing to you, but you've been just delaying it or you know, kind of on the back burner for you, that you need to do it now so that we can collect our tax income. Exactly. Yes, kind of a subtle encouragement to convert your Roth while you can. Um, and yes, you're exactly right. The window, the 10-year window aligns right with the proposal for spending. So it's certainly um, that window was not included in there by accident. So Okay. Well, that's interesting. And that is something that, again, um, might affect you no matter what your income bracket is at this point. Anything else as far as things that might affect those not in that tax bracket that you saw from this proposal? Yeah, so um, this is actually considered one of the positives from the, the tax proposal that most folks might be excited to hear about. Um, so under the proposed legislation, the current um, expanded child tax credit is extended through 2025. Um, and also um, the child tax credit is gonna be more accessible to people who have income that might vary from year to year, um, basically allowing people to um, use the lower of either 2022 AGI or 2021 AGI to qualify. Um, so that's kind of one of the line items that a lot of people were really happy to still see was included. 
Um, and then another item that might impact you, even if you're not above that, that threshold that we had talked about, would be if you have what's called a pass-through business. Right now, if you're a business owner, if you pay taxes using your individual return rather than a return specifically for your business, now these business owners are able to deduct 20% of their net business income. And if this proposal does go through, this deduction would be capped to $500,000 for joint filers, $400,000 for single filers. And then there would also be a phase out for people who earn more than 400000 if you're kind of between those thresholds there. Yeah, so that's another one to kind of keep an eye out. Um, again, this one might not impact masses of people, but um, depending on how you filed your business taxes in the past, this might be one to keep on your radar. Because there are potentially some changes coming down the line that would impact the way that you would potentially want to file your business or um, file your taxes for your business. Okay, yeah, and that's great advice. And again, this proposal is 881 pages. So there's there may be other things that we're not catching that, that could affect you individually on one-off cases, but these are just things to give you an idea if this applies to you or could apply to you that you may want to, again, consult with your accountant and figure out if there are changes that you need to make for 2022. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned this earlier, but it is so important to get all of the members of your team, um, your financial planner, your tax accountant, everybody in kind of the same room. These proposed items impact both sides of the equation. They impact how you're going to file your taxes potentially, but they also can impact your investment strategy, your tax planning and estate strategy. So it's really good to have everyone on the same page just so all of your assets are working together um, in a way that, that kind of makes the most sense for you. I love that. That makes so much sense. And again, that's what we try to do at Pearl Planning is really you know bring everything together for a plan for you to see, but also working with that team, whether it involves lawyers in estate planning or CPAs for tax planning, um, it really all comes together. And thanks to the increased use of Zoom meetings, although we've always used Zoom meetings, but um, that is something that is easier for us to coordinate. So certainly something to think about. Um, any last thoughts or things that we want to touch on from that proposal that you think our listeners may want to hear about? Those are really the, the big ones. Um, Again, don't, you know, it's not yet time to panic about anything that may or may not go through. Um, we might see changes made or sections completely eliminated. Um, again, this is definitely going to come out as a compromise. So it is just good to kind of keep these in mind, especially with the end of the year approaching. And yes, as Melissa said, these are definitely not all of the items included in the tax proposal. These are just some of the ones that um, have stood out to us as being the most impactful, especially to maybe some of our clients. This is something that you think might affect you. Do get in touch with the appropriate specialist if you are looking for a financial planner. Hannah is now with us here at Pearl Planning. And we will link um, her contact in the show notes. But if you want to get a hold of her, the best way would be via email, Hannah at pearlplan.com. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to work with you. And you're just such a fabulous addition to the team. Um, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future, Hannah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Melissa. 
You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.